Today's episode of Off The Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you, as always, by ProSwim Workouts. Nico and the team at ProSwim Workouts have been supporters of the podcast from day one and continue to support the show and the coaching community more broadly with their platform, ProSwimWorkouts.com. Head over to the website right now and become a member to receive all the exclusive content, whether it's programming, in and out of the water, thought-provoking articles, or even just sharing of ideas. It is a one-stop shop. And for all those just looking to browse, head over to ProSwimWorkouts.com to find free workouts, podcast tips, jobs available, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? I'll say it one more time. Head over to ProSwimWorkouts.com right now and let Nico know that Off The Block sent you. Australia in four, the United States in five. Off, McKenzie at the bottom, stubborn to Schlanger in six, then to the yellow lane, Henry. Green start, Newell's got into the water quickly, but so did Joyce. The short of Germany was away well. They'll go to the wall all together, pick that one. Bloomer in back ahead of Manuel and Herisch Amenya. What a shot, Peterson stumps her authority on another 200 breaststroke. Now Henry is starting to come out now. Henry's throwing Linden down. Linden and Henry. Henry and Linden. They hit it. Jody Henry of Australia shading. Jenny Thompson has taken the lead here. The Australians have only won this race once. It was with Dawn Fraser in 1956. Henry's moving away. She's going to win it for Australia. This has been a remarkable last leg. Jody Henry is going to bring Australia home for what will be yes! a victory. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Shannon Rollison podcast for another week. I'm your host, Robbie Cox, joined by the man himself, the man that the podcast is named after, Mr. Shannon Rollison. Shannon, how are you, mate? Yeah, well, Robbie, yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm sprightly. You know I don't work on a Thursday morning, so I'm always a bit uh, more uh, more spring in my step to get out of bed, let's for sure. Let's say that instead of the 4 a.m. wake-ups. Hey, talking about spring, it's 23 here today. Bloody beautiful down here as um well up here, sorry, as well. Um just, no, you're actually down. Yeah, I know, no, just as I said it, I realized what you were gonna say. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um no, it's yeah, beautiful weather. Um really enjoying it. Spring is in the air. Um, and if you're an NRL fan, you know that must mean it's finals time. So that's usually when it starts to feel a bit more like finals. But they reckon it was the warmest uh winter that we've had. Yeah, it's a bit odd. Um and they were saying the hottest summer in Europe, so we're probably going to get a hot summer. But uh, we had so we had a record number of um, frosts in a row, or something like that. It was like eighteen frosts in a row. Uh, we had a really cold May, um, and we had really, really consistent cold, sort of minus fours to minus ten. Mm. Um, but our days were a little bit warmer. You know, they were sort of above ten over the twelve area, twelve to fourteen. So. Um, yeah, a little bit. I, I think definitely probably from a daytime temp, but certainly not from a, a nighttime temp. Um, I, I can remember days, uh, winters here where you'd only get the odd frost and a couple of uh negatives. So, yeah, I'm a bit the opposite to everyone. You know, everyone wants to go overseas to Europe for summer because they don't want a winter. Yeah, I couldn't be fussed on a summer. I hate the heat, so I'd like to get away over summer. It just gets oh, you too hot. Move here. 
Just yeah. <laughs> Sometimes when I come down, I think, oh, I don't mind it here. It's it's not that bad. I I don't find it as cold as everyone else does. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um, yeah, I don't mind a little bit of summer, but not like I couldn't live anywhere where it was just hot all the time. That would yeah. No, I love my time up in Brisbane. Don't get me wrong, but I remember thinking to myself, I couldn't go any further north than this. This is already getting too hot for me, and it gets hotter as you go higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I saw on the news this morning. They there is a thing now for eighteen to twenty-five year olds. Obviously, you have to be in that age bracket, um, and it's called um, uh, eco anxiety. Oh, okay. Yeah, so which is basically you know global warming or anxieties and stuff. So yeah, well. Everyone start worrying about, it, especially when they keep coming. Out, people keep coming out with things like, "Oh, it's the hottest summer ever. Yeah, it's the yeah. hottest this. It's the hottest that." It's never. Well, of course, you're starting to arouse people's. Well, they've of- created the anxiety, haven't they? Yeah. The media. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, we we should all have uh, old age anxiety with the stories you hear in those uh, nursing homes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'm. I'm <laughs> Well, no, you're right, and you know they bring these things up, but there's, there's still, it still balances out. There was, I remember there was hot days when I was a kid too. It's yeah. not as if all of a sudden there's only hot days now. Yeah, that's right. I remember playing cricket once. I was 18. Bloody hell! It must have been like 42 degrees that yeah, day I, just out playing cricket. Funny you should say that. I, I, I can remember in primary school. Uh, it must have been grade six or seven. Um, so it would have been like uh, 82 or 83. Getting sent home. Uh, from school, Every, school got cancelled because uh, it got into those sort of 42, 44. Mm. No air conditioning like they have now. So, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. everyone's so worried about uh, global warming. All right, we'll get rid of the air conditioning systems in schools. Yeah, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> not that serious about global warming. What they should be worried about is, you know, the power shortage that's probably about to happen with all the bloody things plugging into everything at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. You plug in your cars. Everyone's got a car. You got to plug in your car. Where's that power going to come from? Kaboom! Everyone's out. No, no, no power at all. No one can drive their cars. Maybe that's the whole point of it all. Um, I can see that. <laughs> all right. Enough conspiracy theories from us. We're going to talk about a few different things on today. And if you've clicked on today's topic, you know that we're going to talk about Edinburgh and um, Shannon's time over there as well. But we cannot pass up the opportunity to touch on Junior Worlds. At the moment, some fantastic results happening over in Israel, especially for the Australian swim team. I want to get your your thoughts. Um, There's a breaststroke girl uh, that swam pretty quick this morning, not from Australia. She went 106 and broke a junior world record. Eh? Broke a junior world record. I know you're a breaststroke lover, so I'll get your thoughts on that too. But um, mate, some good stuff already. Flynn Southam is doing a great job over there. Gold. Um, you know, doing his part for the relays as well. I'm sure he'll continue that through individually. Jacqueline Barclay for St. Peter's Western, gold in the 100 backstroke. Olivia Wunsch, gold in the 100 free. Um, we, I think we saw a, a relay team junior world record as well, a mixed yeah. um, this morning. So they're, they're doing a fantastic job. Um, Bella Grant did a great job as well. I think in the, in the 200 fly, I think she got second behind a girl who was, you know, on absolute fire, that girl. And and I think Bella Grant was catching her by the end um, from the vision I saw. So, mate, they're doing a good job over there, the Aussie swimmers and the Aussie coaches, led by, I think, Simon Cusack's the 
the lead coach over there as well. Um, and you've also got uh, a swimmer over there as well. Yeah, Isabella she, uh, Johnson, she finished uh, 13th this morning. PB? Yeah, yeah. I uh, was hoping to go an eight. I uh, went 9.05. So, um, yeah, it'd be, be nice to have another crack at it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think what uh, the other Aussie girl, uh, Hayley McKinder, she was ninth. And I think it took like an 8.6 to make the final. So, um so yeah, so yeah, I watched a little bit of the footage, um, and we just got to you know, get Izzy's uh, starts and turns better. So yeah. um, the Japanese girl in inside probably got a, nearly a body length. They're always producing some good juniors, the Japanese team, aren't they? Um, I'm just looking here, Olivia Wunsch, fifty three seven one. Yeah, it was good. Eh? Twenty seven six, I think. Return. Yeah, that's... good for New South Wales as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely phenomenal. As I said, the the mixed uh, freestyle relay, um, junior world record and um, absolutely flogging them there. And, and, you know, if you've got the the calibre of swimmers in there that we do, um, you can see what – and as I mentioned the other day as well, um, and just before Jacqueline Barclay in the 100 backstroke winning that um, up for there in St Peter's with Richard Slight, who's um, done a great job with her. She's been with – you know him in the program all the way from Albany Creek days and moved over with him as well. So great what stuff. Pardon? What time did she? Do? She went fifty nine four seven. Well, that's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. No, she did a great job. And then Flynn, one forty six five seven in the two hundred free, um, which was which was um, you know good stuff to kick his campaign off for the week as well. Uh, but yeah, Jeffamova. Uh, um, she went 30.42 in the 50, and as I said to you, 106.23 uh, in the 100 as a junior world record. That's pretty good heat. Uh, is that what she did in the heat or the semi? No, I mean, <laughs> no, I, you, I've messed you up with my uh, my word and terminologies. That When I say that's pretty good heat, I meant that was like that was fast. Was, oh, okay. <laughs> no, she went that in the final, and she she won one oh six two three. Yeah, Fast. so yeah, so another you know, it'd be interesting to see if she goes any quicker. Uh, I didn't see the splits, but you know, off a thirty point swim in a one oh six. I mean, if you think back last week, I was talking about um, what I thought was poor conversion of speed mm. uh, for the you know, world championships. Uh, with the number of girls under under thirty that couldn't really convert, and one hundred six two three, so I would dare to say she would have been in the world championship final and off a thirty point four type uh, swim. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the best time, but that that's a good conversion, you know. That's good swimming. Well, she's in uh, she's in good company because the previous junior world record holder of one hundred six six was Ruda. So yeah. Um, she's she's certainly in good company there. Um, in terms of junior world champs, Shannon, um, and sending athletes over, have have you found over the years it's it's really good for their experience, for their development, putting them in situations that um, you know they might not necessarily be used to. Do they come back better athletes, more mature athletes? Uh, if you're looking for a positive. Uh, I'm probably not a biggest fan of of all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. 
I, and this is just my opinion um, in developing, I would much rather, uh, for instance, for Isabella, uh, I'd much rather take her to a man-ostrom uh, type series where she could have, you know, train, prepare for the winter season. Um, and I think this is a good example, you know, um, her skills let her down. Um and she's so she's made the uh, Australian junior team, which is you know all well and good, but she basically misses the short course season. Last year she missed the short course season, and um, she doesn't particularly like short course, and she's been allowed to avoid it, <laughs> so to speak. Yes. So there's an elephant in the room, and we haven't been able to address it. Yeah. Um. And she thinks that's good, um, but actually I think long-term that's bad. And uh, the second part of that is, uh, yeah, she's got two swims out of it. Could have easily been one. So you've prepared someone, uh, they, you know, they're, in a de- they're a developing athlete. You've prepared them all winter for one race. You go to Man Nostrum and swim six. And I think if we went to the men Ostroms, we would have got a 108. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, obviously it's got some advantages and stuff. But, again, I think it's probably a lot more so to multiple races who are, you know, right at the top of the field where they don't have to swim a PB in the heat um you know and they've got multiple swims she's got one swim she hasn't even got the 50 breaststroke um so yeah i'm not i i don't certainly don't think it's essential in the development of an athlete um yeah it's what i love about you shannon and doing this podcast there's many times i bring something up and i put my energetic tone to it i think yeah here we go shannon shannon's gonna feel that vibe he's gonna go with me and then you go yeah no i'm not for it i don't like it and i'm like oh here we go again <laughs> uh but i like it because it's honest it's honest you could have done the the whole um you know politically correct yeah robbie actually it's great it's great you know experience for them and they come back much more mature athletes but uh, that's what I love about doing this podcast with you, mate, is uh, we, we never know quite where we're going. I can always tell by your face before you speak, so the listeners don't have access to that. Um, let's move on to New South Wales short course results. So we had a uh, short course over the weekend, New South Wales State Senior State Age Short Course um, Championships at Homebush. Uh, you had some athletes there, as, as a lot of us did. It was um, certainly turned into a long weekend and... Um, we've we've not got a left enough time to discuss having a swimming meet on Father's Day and what my thoughts are on that. But uh, for the weekend and your team's results, mate, how'd you go? Well, I'll just start off with something. Um, seeing we're on this uh, truth telling, <laughs> yes, I don't want to harp on it, and but I'm just going to say it. It is the worst uh, program of events. I thought Australian short course was bad last year. It piles into significance. And, you know, I spoke to you on the weekend. I, I think it would take many hours to try and come up with a worse program um, <laughs> in its entirety too, I might add. Yes. So um, I, 
I basically said that to uh, KT and uh, Chris Feidler. So now I'm on on some bloody, uh, you know, board or whatever it is. Advisor, yeah. Some yeah, advisor. So, so they've basic they've basically said, well, if you want to whinge about it, you've got to come in and help us fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. That's it. You've stitched yourself up there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh god! Good on him. Anyway, good on him. But yeah, now in the pool, how'd you go? Yeah, uh, really good. Actually, I, I only edited it up and did a, sent out an email um, with uh, you know the service providers and that that I've got here. Uh, we ended up with twenty medals, thirteen gold, uh, five silver, and two bronze. So uh, had a had a really good meet. Um, and you know the challenge now, and I like this format. Uh, again, yeah, it's a bit like that Man Ostrom type thing that I like, or World Cups. Um, yeah, we've got sort of eight, nine days in between the two meets, and the challenge now uh, we had a, a lot of PBs, um, and the challenge now is to find some time, you know, um, in the next nine days. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Last year it was a similar sort of um, short course leading into the Australians and, uh, you know, we had some good results with Kayla doing, being able to step up, you know. Um, so we'll see what happens this year. But uh, the prep's been good and, um, you know, I was, I was impressed with Abby Webb. Uh, she came back from the United States in uh, what, you know, better, better than the year previous but not in good shape. Um, mm-hmm not swimming fast and um uh I, I thought she sort of she turned it around and uh you know, her 156 race with um uh little girl from oh, Wollongong um anyway yeah she went 156 uh and it was pretty evenly split 58 one 58 five. So, um, and then turn it back. I was happy with Bronte's 52.5. Yep. That swim. Um, thought she might have gone a little bit quicker in the 50, but again, we'll, you know, we'll see what she can do um, next week. Yeah. Having said that, I'm not going to rest up um, Bronte. The rest of the guys will be tapered um, at trying to look ahead for the World Cups in October. Mm. Um so I need Bronte sort of to be working through these Australian champs. Looks like on paper there's not a lot of, um, certainly not a lot of Queenslanders coming. I think there's a few teams, but uh, I don't think there's any of the big names coming. So uh, I was going to mention that to you, with, you know, just talking about Bronte and no disrespect to everyone else that she races, but she's pretty clearly a little bit of a level above when she's racing, even as you said in the 50 and, um, in terms of the competition around her, it's not as if she's she's pushing herself, no doubt, but there's not that someone right edging her to push a bit harder. And then we're looking at Aussie short course next week. Is the competition going to be there? There because we know that there's a lot of people not entering. Yeah, I mean that doesn't really concern me that much with Bronte. Um, you know, she's swum for years. Um, if she was younger, it would. Um, but you can only race the people you're racing. Um, I've actually, you know, now that I'm on that uh, committee, I've got a... I'm so happy you're on that committee. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a bit of a, a plan to address that sort of competition. Yeah. Um, 
not everyone will probably like it, but uh, probably doesn't matter if I can't get get it changed or can't get it implemented. It'll <laughs> die die a slow death. But um, yeah, as I've sort of said to you know, New South Wales swimming and, and people, and I've sort of done this in my career. If you if you if you want to go better, you have to do things differently. You know, so can't just keep doing the same. Same old, same old, and expect the same uh, different results. So you always do what you always done. You always get what you always got. Yep. Um, now I'm going to segue into our topic today by like sort of mentioning this this uh, story that's come out uh, in the last few days. Now I've had these people on the podcast, and I consider them. I say close personal friends. I tell my swimmers that just so I flex and pretend I've got Adam Peaty as a close personal friend. <laughs> but I've had them on the podcast. They're all good people. So I, there's no doubt, you know, there's there's a story behind it all. But there's been a bit of a scuffle over there, Shannon, between uh, Adam Peaty and Luke Greenbank um, with Anna Hopkins somehow, you know, involved, whether it was a little bit of a, um, you know, comment here or there. Or, and then Luke, obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, Anna and Luke are together. So... It's, it's kicked off somehow in training. Uh, as I said, I'm not going to go too much into it, but have you seen or been a part of any training scuffles yourself over the years? I can imagine when you swam, mate, back in the day, there would have been, that was a bit of a different time back then. You could have a bit of a, a rough around and it didn't really matter. People say, all right, back to work now, let's go. There wasn't all the, all the you know, hullabaloo that goes on today. But, yeah, it just made me think, have you seen or been a part of any training scuffles? Uh, no, I've been into a scuffle at a competition, but, um, I was only 12 then, so, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I have heard, uh, when I went to Leander that it was about, must have just been a week or two before, you know, there was a bit of a scuffle between two of the older blokes. Um, but, uh, I did read that article, um, and all I can say is, um, yeah, when you're coaching senior athletes, you do have to manage relationships because there was a time, uh, I think it must have been like 98 or 99, I had like uh, 10 of my senior group and there would have only been maybe one or two left out. I don't know how they felt. <laughs> there was like five relationships, you know, yeah. and I was like, uh, we actually sat down and we, we had a chat about it, you know, because uh, it all could end badly. Uh, which it did, but no scuffles. <laughs> no scuffles. Yeah, well, because that's the thing. You're not only playing with, obviously, um, you know, emotions and especially with and you're talking like an Adam Peaty type, you're talking about uh, high elite trainers, alpha males. So, you know, someone, someone's not going to take a backward step and then the next guy's not going to take a backward step. So I'm surprised you don't hear more of these stories sometimes, to be honest, especially when the competitive juices are flowing in training. And you hear a lot of it in NRL training when, when it's on and they're trying to do wrestle training and or whatever it is. Someone hits someone a bit harder than they thought they should have and next minute it's all happening. So... I, I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's doom and gloom as you're going to see in papers. I think these things do happen in general. So, um, but you know, sometimes people's, you know, say things and it depends what I've never been one to worry what people say, Shannon, I don't know about you. Like I'm not, if I'm going to get physically, if I'm going to get physical with someone, which let's be honest, what could I do? <laughs> I, I'm a, I couldn't bloody, what do they say? You couldn't knock a, 
Uh, anyway, I, can't, I don't know the saying, but I, I, I'd be hopeless. paper bag. <laughs> yeah, I'd be hopeless. Uh, but it would have to be something really dramatic, like you've you've done something to my family or something really where you've enraged me. Just hearing somebody say a comment or something, uh, could care less. Good on you. You got your comments. I've never been fussed on getting physical. Not like down there at your local pubs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the lighthouse. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, <laughs> guys asked me where to go. I said, "Oh, yeah, this pub is pretty good." Boy, it was females glassing people. So. Oh. Anyway, uh, if anyone doesn't know that story, you might have to go back. I think we did mention it on one of the podcasts. <laughs> one of the podcasts previously uh, down there, down there in Campbell. It's, it can be a rough place. So anyway, yes, training scuffles, which leads me to obviously uh, being overseas and being at Edinburgh and your time, Shannon, over in Edinburgh, you were the elite performance coach of the University of Edinburgh. I think you joined in 2017. Um, my first question is you sort of um, sort of been back and forth with your time at Denmark around that time. You'd left Denmark, you came back, your swimmers came over and followed you for a little bit and trained over here. Then yeah. you went to Rio um what what how did this decision come about to go yeah you know what let's 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 make a difference i know you're someone who doesn't sort of die wondering you're going to have a try and go yeah let's let's see how this goes how, how did this one come about um yeah so uh as you said we were, we were back um back in australia uh there's a new pool in canberra's north that um had been open for about 12 months and I started up a program, and we just swam under the Canberra Club. Um, was employed by YMCA, and they were really good. Uh, you know, couldn't have asked for anything more, actually, from them. Um, and um, so we kicked it off with, you know, six kids, built it up. Uh, the swimmers came out. Matabood came out. Um, the only person that, that came and visited me uh, the entire time from Swimming Australia or anybody uh, was Barry Prime. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think Matt, uh, you know, Matt had been on teams and stuff, but, um, you know, he was sort of forgotten and stuff and and, and much to the to the same as myself, you know, I think as, as coach, uh, as a, a coach and, you um, you're quickly forgotten and, uh, you know, coaches that had gone before me, um, well, you know, when I was coming up young, it was like, you know, you sort of get told to, you got to do what's best for you. And, you know, I remember Don Talbot saying to me um, when I was trying to deal with, uh, when I was younger with the swimmer leaving and stuff like that, and he said, you know, a swimmer will get up. We'll get on the train and get off the train whenever it suits them. All you are is the train driver, you know. And, um, yeah, you see that a lot with, with coaches, you know. Uh, yeah, when they've got someone of, of at a high level, everyone wants to know them and then they don't if, once that swimmer leaves. So in my time that I was there, uh, that, that was very evident because um, I was I was unemployed for three months prior to getting that role, um, and while I started, uh, yeah, in, in that role during that time, 
the people that were getting in contact with me were all people from overseas. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Denmark um, and not just one, but um, a couple of different people in Denmark who'd offered me uh, some jobs. Um, and so I had three job offers to go back to Denmark, um, the Netherlands. Uh, so I ended up doing a, a three-day it was quite interesting. I'll never forget this. A three-day uh, interview uh, in Melbourne while the ten- Australian Tennis Open was on. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was interesting. Um, and so I said to Earl, and then so I went back to Europe um, for the preparation for Rio. Uh, and then when I was over in Rio, um, I had had some discussions with British swimming, um, and then Scottish swimming uh, had had already reached out to me prior to Rio. So I had, uh, oh, I don't know, mate, you know, six or seven jobs. Yeah, you know, head coach of Denmark, uh, head coach of the Netherlands. Uh, so, so you know, you sort of say, why'd you pick you know, Edinburgh Uni, um, and so there's there's a couple of uh, reasons for that. I won't go into them, but um, uh, I had I had the Dutch role, um, and but we felt as a family that the Edinburgh job would fit the best because um, Elsbeth's dad's Scottish, yeah, uh, was English speaking, be a little bit easier that in that sense. Uh, I liked the setup. Um, I really liked the guy um, uh, who was running the show from a um, sports management point of view. Yeah, uh, Chris Jones was the head coach. Uh, he's a good guy. Um, still keep in touch with Chris. Obviously, Matt Trodden. We've had Matt on 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 the um, on the show before. Um, oh. She's on bad with names today. Aitken. <laughs> uh, is it John Aitken? No. Anyway, really good guy. He just had so much energy. And I thought, you know, one of those blokes where you meet and you just think, oh, I want to work for this bloke, you know? Yeah. And uh, basically we went out to dinner while I was – I just flew over from Denmark and um, it was basically if he liked me, you know, it was one of those sorts of things. Mm. Um. So uh, Ali White was, you know, the uh, CEO of, you know, high performance manager of Scottish Swimming. So I've known Ali for a long time. Again, yeah, really good guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I first met Ali back in 2000. So I sort of knew some people. And Elsbeth could get a job, you know, as a, oh, as nice. a school teacher. So yeah. so I thought that was a better balance as well. Um and um so yeah so we went with that one um and uh i had started with about two or three swimmers basically just coached females uh when i was there um we did some really good stuff uh cat greenslade was a great swimmer went made made europeans went to commonwealth games in 2018 european championships short course um I always said, I remember saying this to Drew McGregor, I said, she's the best kicker I've ever coached. 
There's 240 on a kickboard, uh, for turn of three. Mm. Very good backstroker as well. And I thought this girl just Doug Frost would be fantastic with this girl. Yeah. You know, like she was just that type of swimmer. She could swim anywhere from the one to the four. 200 was her best distance. Um, but if she was with Doug, she would have done a great 400. I think she was about 4'11 uh, with me. Um, and then I had uh, uh, Lizzie uh, Lizzie Simmons. So she came up from the Bath uh, High Performance Centre. Uh, so that was good. Um, great girl, great girl to coach. Uh, really enjoyed our chats and stuff um, and sort of turned her around a little bit. We did some good work. Got back under the minute for the back and 208 long. Um, and that was in the first season, uh, the first year. And the second year, we did a really interesting thing. We were on camp in Kalea and um, we were having a chat, you know, and Chris wanted to do something different uh, in that second year. And I didn't have any uh, females in my group. And I had a group of, oh, four or five, something like that. And Matt, I think, had mostly females and one or two guys. And then Chris, he had a lot of guys and one girl. Um, or two girls, sorry. He had two girls. And so we were chatting in Kalaya and I said, well, why don't we have a men's women's? And I went through all the reasons why I thought that would be good. And he thought about it for a little while. And by the end of the camp in Kalea, which was our kickoff camp for the year, uh, which is heading into, you know, winter, um, he said, all right, let's do it. So two of Tane Bruce and Tara Hanlon, so they joined my group, which brought my group up, up to about six or seven, uh, and then we had a men's women's. And at the th – there's a – fantastic swim meet over there called the bucks and they have a, a short course championship and a long course championship short course in the winter long course in the summer and it's british university championships yep um really big meet important for universities edinburgh is one of the you know top 20 unis in the world um cat was starting to be a doctor uh, so that was an interesting experience for me um Anyway, we went to the 2018, the summer of uh, British long course champs, Edinburgh beat um, uh, Loughborough. And Loughborough had, like, you know, had, hadn't lost in, like, I don't know, 20 years or something, you know. And, um, and we beat them in the, the women's uh, championship. I think overall they got us, um, but it was the first time they'd lost either men's or their women's. So, uh, and pretty big program, the Loughborough Uni. I mean, it's got a high performance centre attached to it, you know. Um, so, yeah, so that was that was actually, you know, a real highlight for me. Uh, the experience was great, you know, that point system. I love point systems. I love the whole getting more than just one person up. Um, I, had, I had them in stitches. I was... I was doing the old 1987 Laurie Lawrence run out the side of the pool, swinging the arms with a towel <laughs> type thing. <laughs> and the the guys hadn't really seen that side of me. But we had like four events to go, and we needed we needed it to go a certain way to get to to win by like six points. 
Today's episode of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Arena Australia. Arena are the very best swimming brand in the business, whether you're after the best race suits, racing training goggles, training aids, or even team gear for your clubs. Arena Australia are the way to go. If you don't believe me, just look up on the blocks at the finals of most events at either nationals or international events, and you'll see the Arena logo front and centre on the fastest swimmers' race suits. They just are the best. Head over to arenaswimming.com.au right now for all the latest sales and discounts and let them know that Off The Block Swimming Podcast sent you. Um, I, I'm interested in terms of the facility. Uh, what, what was your first impressions facility-wise? So when you first, you know, it might not have been your first day. You probably would have had a look before you got there. But when you walked in, were you impressed with what you saw? Did, did that help sway you as well when you looked at what you were going to have access to, be able to use? Did yeah. the facility impress you? Yeah, yeah. So it was. we trained... Uh, 80% of the time out of the Edinburgh University pool. Uh, sorry, the Edinburgh um, Commonwealth Games pool. Uh, so obviously, yeah, a very good pool, um, equally of standard to, you know, Chandler or AIS. Yeah. Uh, didn't have access to technology in that, but just from a just a pure talking pool. Then uh, two sessions a week we were in the university pool, which was a short course, 25, six lane, very good pool again. Um and we had that uni, we had a enclosed gym, that massive University of Edinburgh had like, oh, I'm going to say six gymnasiums, but I'm probably doing it a disservice. Uh, it's probably more. And they got a lot of their funding uh, and, and money raising revenue from the students buying yearly gym memberships. Oh, okay. Yep. We had our enclosed you know access only um the high performance guys of, of the university but you know there was this one of the unis was the dungeon it, uh, one of the gyms was the dungeon and you go down into it and it's right down deep you know we're talking you know, like the uni's hundreds of years old you know and you've got it i had to duck to go through <laughs> the ways and it's just got that cold feeling yeah and the only weights that are down there, like 25 kilos is the smallest weight, you know? <laughs> like it's it's just where all the big blokes went. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they had different, you know, they had Pilates and, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. So very impressive from that point of view. Um, what wasn't impressive was, you know, the, the club program system because my kids were in that and um, they had to go to different pools during the week Um I think if they were lucky, I think they got to swim at the same pool once in the week uh, and different times. So some Tuesdays they might be training at six and Wednesdays they might be training at eight, you know. Um, yeah, that I mean, gets annoying, doesn't it, because you don't know with your Arthur or Martha, what day's today, when are we getting up, what time yeah, are you going to be there? Sometimes they would be getting home at yeah, half past nine at night. Um, yeah. So... Um, I didn't have a car over there. First time in my life since I got a license that uh, I didn't have a car. Elle had the car. She was doing the running around. I would just walk to uh, work. It was a 40 minute walk. So I was doing a fair bit of walking uh, and ended up with plantar fasciitis. Never knew what that meant until uh, I ended up. 
with that. Isn't that because you had bad shoes? Are you wearing dodgy shoes? Well, I've got better shoes now, but um, <laughs> it was just the, just the walking, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was a hell of a lot of walking. Um, but to, I, I lived in a great place uh, called Brunsfield, and from our um, our family room, you look straight out to the Edinburgh Castle. So we were, you know, less than 10 minutes on the bus to Princess Street. We could walk there in... 20, 25 minutes um, tops, and um, really enjoyed Edinburgh. They call it the walking city, so um, and, and that's basically, you know, I, I've walked all over for um, yeah. the, well, I was there for about 18 months, yeah, 18 months. Um, and, you know, pubs, fantastic pubs, all sorts of pubs, different size pubs, like just, yeah, cool place. What um what was the city like? I know you're someone who in, you know enjoys his pubs, enjoys his coffee shops, enjoys sort of the atmosphere of the city as well. When you when you stay somewhere, it's not so much just about the pool. You you sort of have a look around and you see your environment. You're like, all right, you know, I can I can stay here. What what's the city like for those who have never been? Oh, if you if you ever go to the UK, you have to go to Edinburgh. Um, and um, you know, we'll go back. Uh, and for holidays and stuff, we want to get up into the north. The only thing we, we planned to go up into the north, um, in the highlands, and that at the end of 2018. Um, we had a great holiday, uh, in at, at, towards the end of 2017 across the Yorkshire Dales and um, Lake Windermere and went down into London, really went, got into London quite a bit. Um, went there. Well, we went into London on the way up to Edinburgh and spent four days, liked it so much, we made sure we went back. Um, and uh, the other area I want to go to is in the south, like the Cotswolds and stuff like that. But Edinburgh, um, well, it's very old, you know, so you've got, um, and it's current day Edinburgh is built on top of, you know, old Edinburgh. So you can do a tour there where you, um, where they show you, you know, old Edinburgh and you go down underneath the city, which is uh, where the castle is. It's called the Royal Mile. Yep. And at the bottom of the Royal Mile is um, the other castle. Oh, it's not a castle. It's like where the Queen's summer residence is. I forget the name of it. Um, and, you know, underneath that Royal Mile is all old Edinburgh and stuff like that. So that's really cool. Um, and you've got... Yeah, I just loved, like some days, and even if the weather wasn't great, you could do this on, on these particular days. Like they've got rain, but it's like a misty type rain. Like yeah, only real one time that I could remember going, this is too wet for me to walk to work. Yeah. You know? well, a lot of times I'd be walking, I'd start off and it'd be rain, misty and that. By the time I got there, it wasn't. So, um but just fossicking around Edinburgh and just going through the alleyways and just find, yeah, it was almost like you were finding, it was like an onion, it was just layers <laughs> to the city. Yeah. Which is just, it was just awesome, you know. Um, and you sort of had this, oh, let's go down there and what's around this corner? Um, and then, you know, getting out to the airport, you know, there's some funny stories about the tram and the laying of the tracks, but, um, you know, 
got a tram line out to the airport. So you don't easily don't need any transportation uh, mm. to, to get around in Edinburgh. Um, well, with some of your coaching highlights while you're over there, Shannon, I'm conscious of we, we've got a bit of a, um, <clears throat> you know, always time constraints with you and I because we've always got something else to go and do or some, someone to talk to or somewhere to be. Um, what, what were some of your coaching highlights while you were over there if you look back on it? Um, well, definitely Kat Greenslade. Um, you know, uh, getting her sort of – she was national – Good national level swimmer, but getting her up into a, you know an international athlete uh, and managing her starting to be a doctor, um, turning Izzy, uh, Lizzie Sim- Simmons around, um, you know, so she hadn't done hadn't gone close to those times for two years or so, um, and then uh, Tane Bruce. You know, Tane, um, she didn't really want to come and train with me. <laughs> um, and so we had, there was a few difficult moments in that. Um, but uh, to Chris's credit, um, you know, he made a stick it out. Uh, I'd sort of almost got to the point where, all right, well, don't worry about it then, you know. But um, we both, yeah, we both found a, a real little niche there and she hadn't done some pbs for a couple of years as well and uh it was disappointing i I think she should have made the commonwealth games team they didn't take her um and uh she she was swimming 58 for the 100 fly um and turner fly had moved a lot so um so you know and then uh caro hanlon really enjoyed cara she came from a little program in the isle of sky and um and then Matt took her on. Matt's done a great job with her. She went to the Worlds this year. She was 106 women now. Um, and just a really good, fun group, you know. Um, so, and and just, I mean, the entire experience. Um, the only reason we came back, uh, L couldn't get full-time um, work in the uh, school system based on some new rules that, uh, the government had done to guarantee first year students, um, first year coming out, they'd gu- guarantee them 12 months work. So it was cheaper for schools to hire those than have an experienced teacher like Elle. So, um, she was just doing relief teaching. So we weren't, we, we, we went over banking on that money yeah, from yeah. her second wage because obviously this role, um, yeah, from a financial point of view, wasn't as uh, paying as as much as like the Netherlands or or, or Denmark. So we we were really having to watch our uh, our pennies, and um, hence the reason why we came back in the end. But uh, we, we, yeah, I loved it. Yeah. Um, well, I can I can tell you always talk about it very glowingly. That's for sure. Anytime you and I have a chat about your time over there. Um, <clears throat> I'm interested from an Aussie swimming perspective, is there anything that you saw in the program over there or your time over there that Australian swimming or Australian coaches could have le- or can learn from or could learn from? Was there, Were they doing anything different <clears throat> that you really liked over there? Uh, was the system a little bit different? Were certain things set up that you think, oh, you know, uh, uh, the Aussies could, could learn from that a little bit? 
Um, the thing that struck me, I mean, I, I didn't travel with any teams. Um, I was involved a little bit as a home coach with the Commonwealth Games team. Um, I thought that a couple of their swim meets were good. There was one with Ava that we went to um, and just the way they ran the meet and they were in and out in in, in two hours. Um, and I, I thought that was really, really good. Um, and, and different meets had different things, you know, so you weren't always going to the same type of swim meet. Um, I, I couldn't get over how hard it was to be a young swimmer. And I thought oh, a lot of people in, in Australia need to see just how dedicated you've got to be to be a swimmer and come out the other side in, in Edinburgh. You know, just the facilities. There was an indoor pool, uh, only 10 minutes. We thought, oh, this is good. One of the pools, you know, <laughs> one of the pools we've got to go to is only 10 minutes walk away. And um, so we'd walk there. And we'd, if if there was a seat inside, well, you had to bring an umbrella. There was so much condensation coming uh, off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> so in the end, you just go, you know what, I'm just going to sit out in the corridor with the smelly shoes because everyone had to take their shoes off before they go in, you know, indoor, mm-hmm. outdoors, Denmark's like that. <laughs> Sitting in a corridor on a bench seat with B.O. shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so so I thought I'm not doing this. So I'd walk to the pub. Yeah. <laughs> have a beer. Yeah. While Ava was doing a 45 minute or well, one hour swimming lesson. Swimming parents that listen to this podcast take note. That's a perfect <laughs> thing to do while your kids are swimming. Just go for a walk. You might not have to go to the pub. You can go to the coffee shop or something. But go for a walk. That is perfect advice. Um, what could um, what could Edinburgh or swimming, you know, in Scotland or in the UK in general, what could they learn from swimming in Australia, do you think? Was there certain things that we do over here that you think would work really well there that they might not have implemented or had done? Um. It's a again, broad question, I understand. Yeah, again, it's hard for me to say because I haven't travelled with a team, but certainly something that I learnt from my Denmark days when travelling with a team and that, and I've said this, I've said this in an open um, meeting uh, with Swimming Australia and, you know, high, uh, we had a high-performance meeting, and um, I, I said at one of those, I think Australia travels better than any other nation in the world by a considerable, considerable margin. And we think about a lot and we've been doing it for a long time. And it was the thing that really struck me when I went to Denmark and I never really thought about it as a, as one of our strengths. Um, so not just on the current, uh, you know, group of yeah. uh, managers. I'm, I'm talking back in the Lynn Fowley days and, and um, you know, Greg Hodge did a great job in, in that area, I thought. Um, and it's just been passed on from generation to generation. And and it's just because we're, we're so far away. Um, well, you, we had um, Rowan Taylor on, didn't we? And he said he, he had sent, there was a, the scouts that went over to yeah. Fukuoka and worked out, okay, look, this is how far it's going to be from the, from the competition yeah. pool so to have you know systems in place like that's pretty pretty good yeah and you know 
the European nations, you know, if I had one thing to say to them about travel is travel earlier. They do not travel earlier enough, uh, early enough, so. Travel <laughs> earlier. There you go. Now, if um, if I was to ask Chris and Matt what's one of or what, one or two of the things that you left them with in your time there, what do you think the impressions were of you in terms of whether it was anything implemented with the program, any philosophies, anything? Did you did you manage to win them over a little bit with some of your ideas? Did did do you talk to Matt now and you're like, oh, oh, I, I think I taught him that. That's definitely a, a Shannon thing. Did you? What sort of? Uh, obviously, you left a good impression. You've got a great relationship with them, so it's not so much on a personal level, but from a coaching perspective, did what? What's the legacy you left there? Do you think in terms of? the programming and, and the coaching philosophies? Uh, well, I think the, that male-female thing is the only, you know, that's the one that comes to mind. Um, yeah, it's a good question, hard for me to answer. Um, you weren't ready for this one today, were you? I've come hard-hitting questions. I've got four pages worth of very <laughs> detailed. I, I take this journalism stuff very seriously, Shannon. <laughs> I think... Um, Program planning, um, probably a sense uh, a, a sense of professionalism, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and not that's not to say that they weren't, um, but uh, well, someone someone said to me outside of the program that the st- just the standard, it, the, the whole standard just lifted, you know, yeah. So, right. Now I don't know what that really means. I wasn't there before. That was an observer. So, um, and, and if that's if that's true, then then that was yeah, that was good. It was a good experience. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes, <clears throat> and I can only speak from <clears throat> my own experience of you know when you start working with coaches that have been there and they're doing it <clears throat> at a higher level. Bloody frog in my throat again. Um, <clears throat> sometimes it's not that the coaches below uh, don't do what what the higher level coaches do. It's just we don't do it as consistently as you guys do. If that makes sense, or it might not necessarily be that we you know we're not doing it. It's just oh shit, we're going to do that again. Oh, yeah. we're going to do that again. Oh, I, oh goddamn. Okay, all right. So this is what it takes to be at that level. So. You're right. It's probably not necessarily that you reinvented the wheel. You're probably just those standards had to be lifted every day, not just so much every now and then. Um, we've talked about it on here before, but I guess today's a really good time to bring it up again. Encouraging coaches, especially from Australia, to explore and coach overseas. It's something that I've talked to my wife about. I'm not giving too much away here on the podcast because I haven't decided or planned anything. Just discussions after, a, uh, you know, with a couple of drinks in your hand. Um, about just travelling and coaching overseas for one or two years doesn't mean you need to base yourself there forever and so you're making a life decision. Do you encourage coaches to to look at coaching overseas in, in whether it's a European country or, you know, America or, or Asia yeah. or wherever? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I should have gone earlier. Um, I, yeah, I don't have any regrets with my coaching career that I've had so far. Um but if I had to do anything different, I would have gone earlier. And um, I, I, I'm a better coach for my experiences uh, in both Denmark and Edinburgh. Um, you learn a lot 
not just in coaching, but just outside of coaching, um, with different cultures and all that sort of stuff. And, and just the experiences of a different system. You know, I can remember, yeah, Rosemary Good, when I was talking to her about whether I was going to go to Denmark or not, she said, well, if you stay, Shannon, you're just going to keep doing the same thing. And that's so true. Yeah. Um, and wherever I've been outside of Australia, it's been different. So, and that's why you're a better coach, you know. Um, so, and I think, you know, I think there's some coaches in Australia that just have stayed too long in, in the one club. And, um, is there value in that too, Shannon? Is there value in, okay, I don't want to move overseas. Some people are very, yeah. Um, not is there value in moving into state and getting around different states and and learning from different coaches? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, me moving to the AOS set me up for going overseas as well. You know, because I had to deal with all the different service providers and stuff like that. When I was at Chandler, that didn't have to happen. You know, so um, I love that you call them service providers. It always makes me feel like I've got to pay the electricity bill or Foxtel or something. <laughs> No disrespect to those guys. They're doing a good job. But when he says service providers, it just always makes me think of, yeah, I've got to pay the electricity bill. Um, yeah, no, I, I, as I said, we, we've talked about it here a bit in terms of travelling and, and moving on and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I thought that was a good time to bring it up. I've got one more question for you before you go. Might be a might be a little bit of a controversy one. Um, do you I think – do, I know you don't. Do you think – do you think – that when you leave Australia to coach elsewhere, although you might have some certain friends that stick around and you've got, you know, you can always count your friends on one hand, right? Yeah. Outside of that, though, does, does swimming in Australia largely just sort of forget about you or look at you as if like, oh, well, he's, he's moved to a different country now? Like, I don't – does that make sense? Like, not that you're a trader. I don't want to go that far into it. But yeah. do you think you get looked at a little bit like when you move? Does that hinder some people from wanting to move? Because they think, oh, if I get out of here, I might not be in the fold anymore. Yeah. No, I was warned about that when, you know, which was just a red rag to a bull, you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah I could imagine. Yeah. I could just see your face now. What would you like, say? Are you threatening me? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but I was warned about that. Um, and I'd probably say the person who said that to me, they were right. Yeah. If in my experience, they were right. Yep. So that is the downside. Um, and I Rightly think or wrongly. Yeah. I think um it's a missed opportunity. Um and it's a little bit sad, really. Mm. Uh that's that uh that's the way it's perceived. Um and yeah, I think yeah. You know, someone said, "Oh, well, we can't, we can't do it any other way. We can't be seen to be encouraging that." You know. So. Yeah, it's sad. It doesn't make sense, and I want to put it out there here on the podcast now that I think we need to change that way of thinking because we're doing it already with our swimmers. You hear certain swimmers from certain programs are going over and traveling with European teams or different American teams and doing altitude training. I know there's certain swimmers from swimming in Australia at the moment that are out in different programs doing things overseas. Why wouldn't we be sending some of our best coaches to spend a year in different programs and learn from different people? It doesn't make sense. As I said, it doesn't mean you live there forever. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you now coach for for whatever it is, uh, you know, different countries. I, I think it's, as you said, missed opportunities. I think we should be encouraging it because um, 
you know, if you do what you always done, then you always get what you always got. So uh, I think we need to be encouraging that for sure. Uh, Shannon, mate, I've loved it. We've we've covered it. Your time in Edinburgh. Um, I don't need to go back and ask what what you thought of it because I know you loved it. Um, thank you very much for all the listeners for joining us again today. Hopefully, you got some takeaways again. I always like to do these different stuff because. Um, it again just makes your brain tick and makes you think about different things in your own coaching career hopefully a few people now starting to tap their missus on the shoulder and go hey listen maybe we should uh, look at making a move or doing something different and if we can you know excite some change well um, i'm happy for it so shannon thanks for joining us again mate you've crushed it another pb ah <laughs> hey uh, just quickly to everyone that's racing next week the australian short course um all the best and see it and take the um, take it for the advantage that it that it is. Um, you know, there's some Australian championships that are and Australian titles on the line, um, and there look at it as as it, what it is an opportunity. You know, and in years to come, no one's going to, no one will be reading or saying in the fine print, uh, such and such wasn't there. Exactly. A hundred percent, Shannon. All right, guys. Luck. See you next week. Enjoy. Good luck. And uh, for all the listeners over in Israel listening, for the coaches, up the Aussies. <laughs> Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our great sponsors, DMC Fins. DMC Fins are the best training fins in the business. Just have a look around in everybody's kit bag on pool deck, and there's a pair of DMC Fins in there. Swimmers, surfers, they're all using DMC fins as their choice of aquatic propulsion. Even superstar Cody Simpson is using DMC fins to help with his training towards Paris 2024. Head over to dmcfins.com.au right now for all the latest deals and discounts on fins as well as hand paddles and other training aids and use the promotion code OFF THE BLOCKS for a 10% discount at checkout.